This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family of God, all of you in South Africa. We love you so very much. I have a very powerful message for you today. A message that's going to encourage you and help you in these times. I sense the church is being backed into a corner by the spirit of Antichrist. I sense the spirit of Antichrist trying to steal our joy, our authority, and our freedom. We have got to understand that we, the believers in Christ, are actually in charge. That Christ left us in charge when He left the earth. We're going to have to learn to stand our ground and become aggressive and offensive in the realm of the Spirit, not the natural. In the natural, we walk in love, but in the Spirit dimension, we have to exercise our authority. So my title is The Sword of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, all the way down to verse 18, we read about the armor of God. And Paul writes this to the church at Ephesus, and he uses the Roman soldier as a means to communicate a truth to us, explaining to us the armor of the Roman soldier and typing that or comparing that to the armor of the believer. So let's read that together. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So yeah, the Spirit of God is telling us through Paul the Apostle to be strong with God's strength and the power of His strength, the power of His might. Now, he did not say, I want you to be courageous. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to go and work out in the gym and be strong. He is saying be strong with God's strength. In other words, be bold take use, make use of God's strength and ability by His grace. Don't be shy. Take advantage of the grace of God and use the ability of God. That's the authority that we have. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So Paul is saying, if we put on the whole armor of God, we'll be able to stop the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So the Spirit of God is saying, our warfare or our wrestling is not against people. People are not our problem. But we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
So the Spirit of God is saying, the forces that we have to deal with while on the earth are different ranks of demon spirits. And there's four different categories here mentioned in verse 12 of different demon spirits that we have to deal with while living on the earth. Now, the Lord Jesus appeared to Kenneth e. Hagin about 12 different times while he was still alive, uh, while Kenneth e. Hagin was still alive. And um, on one of those occasions, the Lord Jesus discussed this portion of Scripture with Kenneth E. Hagin, that verse 12, and told him about these four ranks of demon spirits that we deal with. And he said to Kenneth Hagin, the most powerful demonic spirit that we have to deal with is the ruler of the darkness. The ruler of the darkness of this age. That's number one, the most powerful. The second in that verse is powers. Powers. The third is principalities. And fourth is wickedness. Wickedness. Spiritual hosts of wickedness. So those are the spirits that we have to contend with while here. They're all ruling over the kingdom of darkness, over the unsaved, over cities and nations. All right, verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. So our waist is the belt of truth. Understanding truth, the word of God, and walking in truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is to understand that we are forgiven and righteous in the eyes of God. Because if we don't have a conviction of our right standing with God, the devil can attack us. We'll not have the confidence to use our authority. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that means that we ought to be ready and available to share our love of Jesus and our faith in Jesus with the lost and dying world. God will open doors from time to time. Take those opportunities and speak to them about Jesus. And then, verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So every arrow that is shot at you of doubt, of fear, of unbelief, of sickness, of pain, of suffering, of... Um, Every time the devil tries to steal something from you, your finances, whatever it might be, 
The shield of faith will quench every one of those fiery darts. Now watch verse uh, 17. And take the helmet of salvation. That means we need to believe we are saved, understand we are saved, have that conviction, to know that you are a child of God. Because if the devil can get you to doubt that, then again, he's going to take advantage of you. All right? And then, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So here in verse 17, he says, take up the sword of the Spirit. Now, every one of the different pieces of the armor here mentioned are all defensive weapons except the sword of the Spirit. That's the only offensive weapon that we have. Now, I believe that Christians are far more familiar with the defensive weapons than we are with our offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. So the sword of the Spirit is the only weapon we can use to attack demons. All the others are used to defend ourselves against demons attacking us, problems of life attacking us. So we need to understand more about our offensive weapon. Imagine a prize fighter training his whole life to get in the ring and fight, fight for the world championship in the heavyweight category. And he decides that he's not going to punch. He's just simply going to defend himself. So every punch that comes his way, he's going to try and block it somehow. But he's not going to throw a punch. What chance has he got of winning that fight? None. And what chance do we have of conquering life's circumstances and defeating the devil if we don't become offensive, if we don't attack, if we're not aggressive in the realm of the Spirit? So I sense the need the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to teach the body of Christ at this critical time to become offensive in the realm of the Spirit, to push back the forces of darkness that are trying to control Christianity in our world today. Demons are trying to control us in so many ways. I'll talk more about this, the details of it, as we go on. Verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, I'd love to talk about verse 18, but that's not my subject at the moment. I have written a book on how to pray, 
And I do deal with verse 18 extensively in that book. All right. So moving right along. It is the will of the Holy Spirit that we understand the authority that has been given to us by God. It is the will of the Holy Spirit that we understand the authority that God has given to us. I'm talking about how to use the sword of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Holy Spirit prayed this prayer through the Apostle Paul for the church. Ephesians 1.16, I'm reading from the NIV translation. Paul said, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So God wants us to know the incredible riches that we have inherited because we are in Christ. And His incomparable great power for us to believe. Not only does He want us to know what we've inherited, but He also wants us to know about the power available to us as believers. That power is like the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms. So here, the Holy Spirit is telling us through Paul that the power available to each believer is equivalent to, equal to, the mighty strength that God exercised when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand. Now we can see from this prayer that Paul prayed, which was a prayer unctioned by the Holy Spirit for you and me, we can see that God wants us to come to a deep spiritual understanding of what our authority is now on the earth. God does not want us to be ignorant because if we are ignorant, the devil will walk all over us like he's trying to do right now around the world. This authority can never be understood. It can never be enjoyed by simply agreeing with it mentally. Just to say, Apostle Theo, I listened to your message, I understand it, that's not going to put us in a place of complete authority. Understanding it is step one. Meditating on it, allowing it to go into our heart until we start acting on it subconsciously. 
that's when we'll see it work for us. Like somebody learning to drive a car. When the f I remember the first time I drove a car. I mean, I had to concentrate on everything I did. Absolutely. Put my foot on the brake, on the accelerator. We had manual changes back in those days. Changing the gear. Everything I was doing, I was so stressed out about making sure that I stayed on the road and did the right thing, didn't wind up wrecking the car. But then after a while, everything became natural. I didn't have to think about anything. I could just look at the road. I could have a conversation with somebody next to me and drive relaxed. And I know all of us went through a similar experience. We must get beyond the stage, spiritually speaking, where we have to think about what we're doing. We have to hear this message over and over, listen to the CD or, or, or go back and listen to it online, on demand, until we actually start behaving differently, naturally, without thinking about it. And you know what? We will, because it's in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. God is in us. And we have been created to live in this dimension. Like a duck floats in water. It's our natural dimension. Far more than living in the human body in this world is a natural dimension. Because for eternity we are spirit beings. And these natural bodies will change. Whether you realize it or not, there are hostile spirits all around you, trying to frustrate you, trying to destroy you, taking every opportunity they can to defeat you. And we need to understand how to deal with them. If we don't, we will fail. If we fail to understand our authority over these forces of darkness, we will be overcome and defeated continually in life. The devil doesn't want Christians to learn about their authority. He wants to maintain control over the believers. When you learn about your authority, you'll dominate him. If you are ignorant, he'll dominate you. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Isaiah 4.6 God, uh, the devil wants to keep Christians in a state of continual defeat. He doesn't want Christians to have dominion over him. The dominion that God gave to Adam. And Adam yielded to the devil when he ate the forbidden fruit. But Jesus conquered Satan and gave us that dominion back again. We can yield it to the devil or we can stand up and use it against him because we are actually his master. Authority belongs to you, whether you realize it or not. 
It's almost as bad as the poor sinner who goes to hell because he doesn't know that God has canceled his debt. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, NRV, God has reconciled the world, the unsaved, to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Christ to new no sin to be sin for us, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. So according to this portion of Scripture, God has forgiven the entire human race for their sin once and for all on the cross. We have been called as ambassadors to guard the world and inform them God's not mad at them, He's punished Christ instead. And if they will accept Christ as Savior and believe in Him, they will receive eternal life and be born again. Therefore, if we do not understand what God has done for us in giving us our authority, we'll be just as ignorant as the unsaved who doesn't know God has forgiven him. The unsaved dies and goes to hell because he doesn't know that his sin is forgiven. How crazy is that? We can walk in defeat. Because we don't know we are in charge. So what is authority? Authority is power that has been delegated to you. An example is a policeman who stops the traffic. He just raises his hand. If the robot or the light goes out, and the traffic will stop because the driver knows behind that policeman is the government, the police force, the army, the navy, and the air force. So he stops. The policeman doesn't have the personal strength and ability to run after the car, grab it by the bumper, and pull it to a halt with his own strength. And he's not going to try and do that. And in the physical, natural, you and I are no match for the devil. But we're not going to deal with him in our strength. We're going to deal with him with God's strength. So, authority is delegated power. In other words, a man's authority is only as good as the power behind him. So the policeman has all that power behind him. What kind of power do you and I have behind us? Well, Jesus said here in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. 
So who gave us that authority? Jesus. He said, I have given you authority. Now the word serpents here and scorpions are talking about demons and evil spirits. So God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and all the angels are the power behind you when you speak to the devil in the name of Jesus. Remember Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. How? Use His name. So that means we can step out in front of the devil and tell him to hold up, and he will. He'll stop in the name of Jesus. I'm going to give you an example of how this works. It's a story I've shared with you. Some of you will have heard it before. And those of you, of you that have not, I believe it will be a great, great help to you. And those of you that have had have heard me tell the story before, I'm going to share it in a way that will really make an impact today. Listen very carefully. This is a great example of how to exercise your authority in a practical circumstance, an everyday circumstance of life, to stop him. All right? In July 1998, Pastor Bev and I, Natalie and Candace, went to visit Pastor Bev's sister, Brenda, and her husband, George, and their two sons, George Jr. and Robert, in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, at that time, Candace was 50, uh, 13 years old, and Natalie was 15 years old. And young George and Robert were the same age as, as Natalie and Candace. And uh, before we left, they were talking about, the boys were talking about taking the two girls fishing in a stream behind their house. And um, so... When we finally arrived at their home, uh, their kids were getting ready in the lounge, in the living room, and the boys were teaching them how to fish and showing them what the equipment was all about and how to put on their boots and all that. And um, I decided to go and pray. This was in the morning. So I went into the bedroom that we were staying in, Pastor Bev and I, I knelt on the floor with my elbows on the bed and I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. After praying for a few minutes, suddenly I had a burden to pray. Now, out of nowhere, I began to feel depression, sadness, loneliness, death. And um, I looked to my heart while I'm praying to see what was going on? And I knew immediately, I said, Holy Spirit, what's going on here? I knew immediately that Natalie's life was in danger and that she was going to die if I didn't pray for her. So I went through to the living room where they were getting ready and I stood in the doorway and watched them. And Natalie was laughing, they're all giggling, having a great time getting all the gear to together to go fishing and in my head, I said, Natalie looks so, so happy. 
She's fine. Her life's not in danger. They're going to go fishing in a little stream behind the house here. It's all safe. So I reasoned my heart out of it. But my heart said, go with them. Go fishing. In my spirit, I knew I needed to go with them. But I talked myself out of it. The Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your understanding. So I went back to the room and began to pray again, finish up on my prayer time. And I was praying along happily when all of a sudden this burden came back in my heart, this sadness, this grief, this loss. And I looked to my spirit and the Holy Ghost said, Natalie's life is in danger. So I went back to the doorway and stood there and again they looked so happy. And I said, I'm not going to go fishing with them. I'm not going to rain on their parade. I talked myself out. I said, no, I didn't hear God. I missed it. And I went back to the room. And then the third time it came and I went back there, they were gone. And so I went back to the room and carried on praying until I sensed, I thought I had a handle on this burden and I dealt with it. And then after my prayer time, I said to Brenda's husband, George, I said, please take me to a gym close by to work out. He dropped me off at the gym, and uh, he was going to pick me up an hour later. I uh, paid for my fees for the workout, and uh, there was no one in the gym except me and a guy sitting behind the counter reading a book. And so while I was working out, I could just see the top of his head. He was reading this book, and he had loud music playing. So I was exercising. When all of a sudden, this burden came back into my heart. And now, I mean, it was crushing me. So I, uh, I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I said, what is this, Spirit of God? And I knew once again, it's Natalie's life that was in danger. Now, I could pray to where I could hear my voice. Because the music's so loud, he could not hear me. I wasn't shouting. I was just praying loud enough so I could hear my voice. But I was praying fervently. I was praying earnestly. I mean, I was praying. I was going after it. And um, then I began to sense. Now, listen very carefully here now. Because the Holy Spirit's about to lead me into exercising authority. So I began to sense in my spirit, I must take authority. So I listened to the Holy Spirit's guidance. And I sensed, firstly, to stop Satan from killing Natalie or hurting her. So I said, Satan, I demand by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, you shall not hurt my daughter Natalie she will live or not die. You will not hurt her in any way in Jesus' name. And I said that aloud with authority in the name of Jesus. And then I began to listen again to my heart. And the Spirit of God inspired me or unctioned me to release the angels to protect her. So I said, Father, I thank you for Psalm 91. You promised us that the angels of God 
encamp around about us to protect us in all of our ways. So now I release the angels to go protect Natalie from all harm and danger in Jesus' name. And then the Holy Spirit unctioned me to carry on praying in the Spirit. So I carried on praying in other tongues. Praying in my heavenly prayer language. Praying in tongues. And uh, then the Spirit of God unctioned me again to exercise authority over the devil. So I said, now I'm not going to undo my first prayer. I'm not going to bind him again. He's bound. I don't have to rebind him. But the husband unctioned me to say, Satan, I remind you, you are bound. I have bound you. You may not and you cannot hurt Natalie. You shall not hurt her. Angels, I thank you for ministering to Natalie and protecting her. And so, and then I praised God for her protection and carried on praying in tongues. Eventually, after an hour of doing that, I sensed the burden began to lift. What does that mean? Well, I sensed this heaviness subsiding. I sensed joy rising in my heart. I felt like I wanted to sing. And uh, George arrived. I said to him, George, this is what happened. Where is this river, this stream? I want to go straight to where they are fishing. So he took me back to the house, and we tried to find the stream. We couldn't find it. And uh, just then, Pastor Bev and Brenda arrived back. And um, I, um, the phone rang. It was the police station. They told us that they had uh, our children at the police station. So I went down there, and uh, one look at Natalie, you could see that she was very frazzled. She went through a difficult challenge. She was wearing the boy's T-shirt. So I asked her, what happened to you? And she said, this is what happened. They were sitting on the bank of the river fishing when a voice behind them in the reeds spoke out, do you have a fishing license? And young George said, no, we're 15 years old. We don't need a fishing license. You only need one when you're 16. So the man spoke back and said, I'm an inspector. You do need one. Come up here. So four of the kids came up into this little clearing, and there was no one there. All of a sudden, a man steps out with a T-shirt wrapped around his head, just his eyes sticking out, and he had no clothes on. He was totally, completely naked. And so Natalie se step, steps forward and puts her hands out to protect the other kids. And she hears feet as they run away on the on the floor, on the sand, and they disappear through one of the three pathways through the thick reeds. And when she turns around to see where they went, she couldn't see which pathway they took. And as she turned, that man leapt across the open space, five paces or so, and took her dress and ripped it off her body with one swoop, threw on the ground, 
got on top of her, was about to rape her. And now she had two opportunities of defending herself. Two ways. Number one, she could have reacted in the natural, in her own strength and ability, to try and defend herself, and she would have been raped and possibly murdered. The second option she had was to depend on the Holy Spirit and use spiritual authority to defend herself. While she's lying under this man, six foot two, in his early 20s, far stronger than a 15-year-old young girl. Now, I need to point out that Natalie and Candace were not little angels at that time in their behavior. But they knew the Word of God. They were instructed to sit in church and listen, no matter if they wanted to come or not. They had no option. As part of their training. Thank God for that. Because it probably saved her life. Nevertheless, she reacted spiritually. She commanded aloud. She shouted at him and said, In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you, Satan. What happened? Why'd she do that? Because of the intercession, the Holy Spirit was now able to work on behalf of Natalie and through Natalie and unction her to speak out and take authority over the demons that are working through this person. Remember, our problem is not flesh and blood, but we wrestle against demonic spirits. These spirits are working through this young man. This young man went dazed. He got up, confused. She got up and ran. Didn't know which way, but took one of the pathways and came out two or three hundred yards later, 300 meters later, in a football field, soccer field, and there were the three kids, Candace, Robert, and George. And George gave her his big T-shirt to wear, and then we found them at the police station. Now, Nat received an unction to act. That's why she did act it that way. Because the Holy Spirit prayed for her, and then He was able to work through her. So here we can see how authority is exercised in the natural to stop demonic activity. All right, well, so glad that we are able to meet together like this. So glad to see you in the auditorium. And uh, we believe soon we'll all be able to come together again and then we'll be able to fly into South Africa. We love you all from me and Pastor Bev. Give the Lord a great big praise God this morning. Next weekend is Pentecost Sunday. And I'll be teaching on the subject of Pentecost. It's going to be exciting. All right, every head bowed and every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Thea, I want to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I want to make sure that when I die, I'm ready. 
If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, close your eyes, bow your head, and say this little prayer with me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and save my life. Thank you, Jesus. I declare you are the Lord of my life. I will live for you with all my heart from today. Now, if you said that this morning and gave your life to Jesus this morning, why don't you raise your right hand and give the Lord a praise offering wave. God bless you. All right, we love you and we're trusting that we will see you soon. God bless. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 